0: The Sefer HaChinuch is a 13th century anonymously written work that takes us chronologically through the Torah, listing and explaining each of the 613 mitzvot, the commandments that according to an original work that was written by Maimonides, the Sefer HaMitzvot, we deduce are each given in the Torah. So when we say there are 613 commandments in the Torah, they're not all clear, thou shalt or thou shalt not. But it was Maimonides who went through, got to the 613, and the Sefer HaChinuch lists them from the beginning of Genesis through the end of Deuteronomy. Since they are written chronologically, we see that only three commandments were taken from the book of Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply, circumcise your sons on the eighth day, and don't eat the sciatic nerve, which you may think is unimportant, but this is the reason why most filet mignon is not considered kosher, which is very sad for those who keep kosher. So that's it. Those are the only three mitzvot in the book of Genesis, and this week, As we read the third Torah portion from the book of Exodus, we find mitzvah number four. It's the first commandment that's given to the Israelites by God through Moses. As at the beginning of chapter 12 of Exodus, we read, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first of the months of the year for you. This is the commandment that will lead to the concept of a Jewish calendar, a calendar that was different from all of the surrounding nations and is still different from our secular calendar today. Not only is the calendar the first of the commandments given through Moses, it's also the first of only 19 commandments that will be given while we are still in Egypt. And it's the only one of those 19 that doesn't have to do specifically with the observance of Passover or the redemption of the firstborn that will come after the death of the Egyptian firstborn. Now, while the calendar does at least to some degree have to do with Passover, which does appear in that first month, I think the fact that we receive this commandment specifically while we're still in Egypt can teach us quite a bit. Now, whether we're preparing for a bat or bar mitzvah or a wedding, I always try to work with a family who is preparing for a simcha, reminding them that there are only so many things that they will be able to control. With b'nai mitzvah students, some of you know, I occasionally will make my cell phone ring in the middle of their speech at their last practice hoping to teach them that no matter what happens in the congregation, they should keep going. I want them to realize that they cannot control whether or not a cell phone goes off or there's a power outage or a crying baby, but they can control themselves and how they react to those obstacles. For a bride or a groom, it might be about guests who are late returning their RSVP cards or in-laws who are being, well, (laughs) in-laws. And while my goal is to help these young people focus on the true meaning of their simcha without worrying about those things that are out of their control, I hope that this lesson goes far beyond their one special day. It's easy for us to spend all of our time thinking about things that other people might do, it's much more valuable to think about how we can go on, regardless of what's happening around us. For the Israelites who were under Egyptian slavery, even this kind of control was not available. Slaves not only have no control over others, but they've lost the ability to control their own actions and their own time. So why was it that the calendar was the first commandment given through Moses, and why was it given while we were still in Egypt? As the Israelites were preparing for freedom, God was telling them, you are about to be free. You're about to be in control. The rest of the Torah then and the Jewish tradition that follows is a guide for how to live once we are in control. But even then we're told, time is yours, or excuse me, even then we are not told, time is yours, do as you wish with it. Rather, we're told, you are no longer slaves, but your time will still be structured. We're in control over our reactions to any given situation, but that doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want. We must be controlled, civil. Civil and ensure that our response is a productive one. And while not a part of this listing of commandments, Shabbat, another reminder of time, serves as that weekly reminder that no matter what has happened during the week, no matter how out of control we may feel, we do remain in control of our lives and our time, and part of that control means that we can take a step back appreciating where we are at any given moment. If we think about times of anger, frustration, sadness, they usually all involve a time in which we feel like we have lost control. We find ourselves surrounded by news of hurricanes, fires, political unrest, all of these combined with our own personal tribulations and adversity. It's easy to get frustrated and lost in the amount that is, in fact, out of our hands. But it's incumbent upon us that we do not become slaves to our problems, even in times of adversity. We must remain in control of how we act, how we respond, thinking of how we can help rather than making the situation worse, knowing that there will always be things that are out of our control, but we can never lose our grasp of those things that are not. Our rabbis asked why the Jewish calendar is based on the moon. One interpretation teaches that unlike the sun, whose brightness never changes, the moon waxes and wanes. It grows brighter and then dimmer again. Our world, too, is unpredictable, Some days are brighter than others. May it be God's will that on those darker days, we find consolation in our ability to respond. And may our response be one that's guided by our moral responsibility to continuously try to better ourselves as we, at the same time, strive to use all that we can control to make our world a better place.